Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. In this week's episode, I get to chat with Brian House, founder of Housemade.us, who revolutionized the modern forge by creating his Apollo Forge, which uses a fraction of the fuel compared to a traditional one. He talks about how his whole life changed after he learned CNC and how to weld, unlocking his passion for working with his hands. He also talks about his philosophy for doing business, leaving a legacy instead of being a smash and grabber, and how he's grown a following by showing the process when developing his Revolution 2x72 grinder and Apollo Forge. We dive in after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you tired of carrying multiple pieces of equipment on your service truck? Lincoln Electric has introduced the solution, the Ranger Air 260 MPX. This multifunction engine drive combines an air compressor, generator, battery charger, battery jump starter, and multi-process welder in one compact device, specifically designed for the unpredictable circumstances and job demands of the work truck industry. But that's not all. The Ranger Air 260 MPX is also designed to provide a lower cost of ownership with features such as auto stop-start technology and an electronic throttle body engine with variable engine speed. Don't miss out on this versatile and reliable machine that can handle any demanding job site. Visit www.lincolnelectric.com for more information on the Ranger Air 260 MPX available later this year and save space on your truck for other tools and gear with this compact power horse. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience just in case they're not familiar with you and your work? Sure. My name is Brian House. I am the creator of Housemade. If you've seen any of my work online, it's housemade.us is my website. I'm also the podcast host of Work For It podcast. You can check us out. We do business in the workshop. That's our emphasis on the podcast. We develop machines like two by 72 belt grinder kits and forges in my workshop in South Florida, and then share the journey on social media. And you can find us on all major social media platforms, just look up housemade.us, any of those, and you can find me there. And I met you up at Makers Camp. I learned a lot about the blacksmithing community, but specifically I saw the Apollo Forge and everyone was telling me how you kind of revolutionized the whole Forge game. Can you give a little backstory of what makes your Forge different than any other one out there? Yeah, so my business was started about five years ago creating the Revolution 2x72 belt grinder, which is our flagship product. And what I realized was, is that like myself, I wanted to own one of these machines, but I couldn't afford it. And I went down the, the rabbit hole of learning CAD and figuring out how that works. And, and during all that, I taught myself how to weld. And I used your videos on weld.com to learn and watched different guys on YouTube and educated myself. Welding is a lot of practice as well. So, you know, we we started doing that, getting down that road. 
And I have kind of a unique view on welding. It's like my life before welding and my life after welding. No joke. I look at myself like that because once I learned how to weld, a world of possibilities opened up to me. And we get this question all the time because there's people that come to us and say, I want to build your machine, but I don't want to weld. Now, in the forging world, you've got all these guys that are building forges out of propane tanks and big pieces of cut off steel and they're building like Legos, they're putting things together. And for the longest time, I owned one of those forges because I built one myself. I wanted to learn how to do blacksmithing, knife making. I needed quick ways to heat things up in my workshop. And I was listening to this podcast called Working Hands Podcast and they're Keith and those guys, Tony, those guys were a big part of Maker Camp where we were, where you and I met. And they had this challenge and it was called Make What You Fear a Challenge. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's a fantastic concept. It's basically trying to get you out of your comfort zone, right? Do something that you're not comfortable with. And I had an instance where my first workshop that wasn't in my house, my first commercial shop caught fire. Oh, uh, it was just an unfortunate situation. My plasma torch threw a spark into a dust collector that was like 10 feet away. Total, just weird situation that was just terrible. Yeah. But I got the fire out. I, everybody was safe. Nobody got hurt. My shop did uh, a little bit of damage. It wasn't terrible. But I had this healthy fear of fire. So I stopped using my forge. I just was, I was scared that I was going to catch something on fire. Too many consumables in my shop. Yeah. And if you come to my shop now, you'll see very little wood, very little paper, very little cardboard. It's, yeah. Even my mezzanine, I built by hand. It's a huge mezzanine. It's like 400 square feet and it's all I-beam and steel and it's all welded together. Even the floor is quarter inch plate. Dang. That could, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's not going joke. anywhere. That's for not sure. Not going anywhere. <laughs> and it's because I didn't want any wood in my shop. I didn't want anything to be consumable. So when the Working Hands podcast did the Make What You Fear project, I decided that I was going to revisit the Forge project. And I sat down and because a whole bunch of people didn't want to weld things together, I came up with a tab and slot version of a Forge. And in the process, I revolutionized what the modern Forge is today. And in fact, if you listen to any of the content that comes out of some of these larger steel producers like Coy Baker from Baker Forge and Tools, a great example. He came down, spent some time with me this summer, last summer after Blade Show, and we built him a forge. He looked right at me and he says, this is going to be the new industry standard. You have decided to make something, created something that's going to change the forging world moving forward. And since now, like Jay Nielsen, I got a chance to sit with him. He used one. He felt the same way. Dave Baker messaged me yesterday. He wants one in his shop from Forge and Fire. So it's like, we now know that we have this solid design that essentially built, you build this thing and no joke, you buy the kit from us, we send it to you in four or five hours, you're forging, it's done. Whereas before it used to be kale wool, which is a thick ceramic blanket that these guys use to line their forges. And then they would coat it in some sort of masonry that's designed for forging like Satanite or something that can hold withstand temperatures. Yeah. In this process, what you're doing is you're creating like an ice cream sandwich. You got steel on the outside. You got this ceramic fiber blanket in between a layer of Satanite, right? And mm -hmm. that what happens over time, if anybody that's listening to this has done any forging, that starts to break down almost immediately. When you turn that forge on, it's trying to destroy itself. <laughs> like the first minute it's on. 
And the the process of dismantling the forge and relining it is is dirty and it's somewhat dangerous because you're working with ceramic fibers. You need to protect your lungs from the fibers and it takes a lot of time and it's expensive and downtime. So we're working with guys that are forging every single day, right? They're using this forge. It's a tool. Like if you can imagine your welder being down for a day, it's expensive. Absolutely. So what we came up with was this little tab and slot version. So you got quarter inch plate steel with tabs and slots that builds a box and you line it with Innswool, which is a eighth inch thick ceramic, little thin ceramic blanket. And then also the on the inside of that is some standard fire brick, soft fire brick that they put in kilns and other things. And that is your insulation. And then we built a custom ribbon burner that goes inside of it and it burns hot. 15 minutes, you're at 2,400 degrees Fahrenheit, you're forge welding, okay? Dang. And it sips fuel because we redesigned the air fuel delivery system and how it mixes so that when the propane is injected into the burner itself, it does a very clean mix with a lot of air. So we do we threw out the old blacksmith. You see those guys with those squirrel fans, those old <laughs> style squirrel fans. We got rid of that. We went to a more inline fan that's sent, it's centrifugal. So it's spinning the air as it goes up into the, the piping system. And it's blending the fuel and the air and it's making a clean, crisp flame as it comes out. And so that's where your efficiency comes from. Because like you're cutting down on the amount of fuel it takes. That's the biggest part to me is like fuel efficiency, no matter what industry you're in, is huge. And being someone that could revolutionize that, like how did you come up with that? Like how did you get to that point where you figured out this will be a huge cost save for people? It was by accident because a ribbon burner, which is, if you can imagine, it looks like, it looks like a rectangular box with the face of it is a poured refractory and it's got holes in it. And then the other side of it has a threaded two inch threaded pipe where the fuel and the air kind of mix and get forced through those little holes to, and then you light the fuel in the air and it burns hot, right? That's been around for a long time. That's not anything new. But what we did discover was there's a lot of misinformation out there. People making these and guessing how to make them. The different types of styles of baffles on the inside of the tubing and the piping to do the air mixture. And I realized I don't have time to experiment with all of this. I'm going to go sit down and talk to somebody who's built a whole bunch of these. And his name was Mark Kraut, and he's built hundreds of forges and forced air burners in particular. Okay. And so I sat down with him digitally, virtually, just had phone calls and Facebook and Instagram messages back and forth, talking with him about his experiences building these things. And he told me, look, these old style fans don't use them. They're these old blacksmithing and squirrel fan things. They're not blending the air and the fuel properly. He also taught me the importance of a baffle system that allows for the fuel and the air to mix properly inside before it gets ignited. Okay. And a a bunch of people had done all these experiments. And if you look on YouTube, there's a hundred of them, right? Mm -hmm. These guys that are all doing the same thing. And, but nobody's really fully done any testing. Unless I'm, I'm, I could be ignorant on that. I just haven't seen anything that looked credible to me. Well, working with Mark, It was like we had maybe four prototypes, I think, before we nailed it. And it was like we knew we had something. When 
Mark told me about the centrifugal fan trick where it's an inline central fan. He was taking transmission cooler fans. And so to give you a broad overview of Mark, he's the guy going to the junkyard, pulling the fans off of trucks That's and awesome. saying, I think I can make this work, right? He's like, mad. This would be great for a Ford. That's awesome. Who sees that and <laughs> yeah. thinks that, right? And he says, you got to get the cyclone going in the pipe. Yeah. And this is how it worked. And I'm like, okay. So I started thinking about how to make that happen. And so I went on Amazon, started searching out fans because remember, we sell the kit for the forge, but we're not in the business of selling the fan. Yeah. I don't want to sell the fan. I need something readily available. With all the grow houses out there now, oh, these fan, yeah. these are inline <laughs> centrifugal fans that people use to to ventilate grow houses. And it pushes 440 CFM. And I understand now, I didn't at the time, but I understand how water column works and how air moves and fuel blends and all of these things. I get it now where before I didn't fully understand it, but, and then we did, so we got the fan component. We tested a whole bunch of them, by the way, I got a stack of them in my shop that aren't being really used for anything, but we found one that we liked, had a little rheostat on it. So you could adjust the flow of air. And then, and then we discovered something because we were trying to fabricate these these little metal boxes that we could pour refractory around that would hold up to the high heat. And I kept running into an issue when we would go to press the form for the box because they're made out of plate steel, like 11 gauge steel, and they would bend in the wrong way. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to put the fuel holes on that plate. So when we laser cut them, the holes will be on that plate itself, not the big hole that everybody cuts. There's where the two inch pipe would go in. Everybody cuts this big hole right there. And that's where the point of failure was, right? Because it was just too thin. You were just, you know, it wasn't enough steel to keep it structurally sound. I put a bunch of little holes in it thinking that way the air and the fuel can go through there and it doesn't ruin the integrity of the piece of steel that we're using. Little did I know, this was an accident, that would create enough turbulence inside of that box to mix the fuel and the air together when I coupled it with a baffle on the other side that was 20 degrees off. So if you can imagine, there's another piece of plate steel that has little tabs on it that makes it sit about a half inch away where it's turned about 20 degrees. So the fuel comes up with the air, it's in a cyclone inside the pipe, it hits that baffle and it has to turn 20 degrees. And once it does that, it's like a perfect mixture of propane and air. And it became this, I lit that thing the first time and it was like a jet. It was just like a, the back end of an F-16 fighter. It just came out beautifully. And it was, it was perfect in terms of the burn from the left side of the burner, which is a nine inch span all the way to the right side, all the way, nine inches. I had a perfect clean flame. And I knew that we had nailed it. And yeah. I hadn't seen that before. You know, a lot of these guys make these and they're sputtering and they're not quite right. You can tell one side is burning hotter than the other side. We needed it to be perfect all the way across. And if you follow me on Instagram, you look back in my social feed, you'll see this. You'll see this process because we follow the Gary V social platform, which is document your process. Don't create something. Qu yeah. Quit creating content. Just document it. 
right? Yeah. Doing this, we're documenting this, right? And we've got everybody and their brother commenting, going, oh, you need this, you need that. People are trying to help for the most part. <laughs> for, uh, the most and, part. For, for the, the most, most part. For the most part. <laughs> and on YouTube too, we're seeing a little more positivity in the comment section on YouTube. But we've got all these people commenting in and they're, they're helping us in the process of figuring this out. Lots of money, lots of time and lots of wasted product. But at the end result is what we have today, which is a very, we make, we have to pour about 20 of them a week to keep up with demand. And sometimes we can't even keep up then. But it's one of the things where you can't just go, there's only a couple companies that make commercially available ribbon burners. They're rare in this regard. And these ribbon burners are rated for 3000 Fahrenheit. So they can withstand all kinds of torture. What are they um, made out of? Do you know? Yeah, the pourable, what we call castable, pourable refractory is Castellite 30 Li+. Plus. It's made by Harborson Walker. They specialize in castable refractory. That's crazy. But that's, how did you track them down? Because that's one thing that I know if someone's out there wanting to develop a product, how do you go about finding these people? What kind of research did you do to track down these people? By the time I had decided to do the forge project i had a lot of connections in just socially we have eighty thousand followers on instagram and seventy five thousand on youtube so it wasn't real hard like as soon as i started developing this and i was buying like the cheap refractory on amazon i had people reaching out to me going oh no you don't want that you want this and yes oh big time if you're not leveraging crowd especially product development this is what i find super interesting about having some influence now is that the amount of people that are connected out there, yeah. they want help and they don't care. They don't want any money for it. They don't want any, there's no financial backer or whatever going on. It's not that, it's not a transaction. It's more or less, they want to see you succeed. There's a whole bunch of people on my team and they're not housemate employees. These are people that are have been following my development since day one and they care about my success. I have this unique view on the a bunch of people when you're an entrepreneur, they, you see these guys get the term self-made tattooed on them <laughs> or whatever. Oh, and yeah. I appreciate that, but no one is self-made. You have to know that you've got this team of people around you and it's helping you. And a lot of times they're not paid employees. These are people that care about your success and I consider them friends. That's an important part. So yeah, like somebody reached out to me and said, here's my guy at Harborson Walker. And what's even funnier is that one of the guys that I'm friends with on Facebook was a sales rep for them. Oh man, what, and what I a connection. <laughs> yeah, so I just, he, he saw me doing this work and I'd already gotten the recommendation from another vendor. The vendor said, you gotta buy that from Harborson Walker or whatever. And then Brad messaged me and he goes, I'm a sales rep for Harborson. And I went, get the hell out of here. You know, I you know, connect <laughs> with you. And so now we buy it by the pallet, right? So we're importing it by the pallet because you can't really buy it. Buy the you can, but you pay through the nose for it if you're going to buy it one bag at a time because it's just heavy. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's crazy, man. But that's the welding community just tying the two worlds together. That's one thing I did learn when I got into the welding community is that there's a lot of people out there that just want to help, especially with trades that not a lot of people are getting into. There was this kind of mentality of I'm not going to teach you what I know because I don't want you to take my job. But now. It's like, we need people to fill these jobs. So please let me teach you anything I can. But it's amazing to see what that's done to the online community of trades, no matter what it is. If you have a question, there's like a community of people ready to help. And that's something that I really saw up at Maker's Camp too, 
is the maker community, everyone, I've been doing a lot of research into what a maker is and the philosophy of hands-on learning and learn by doing. And just this whole development process was learn by doing. And it's just really cool to hear it in action. And you came out with such a revolutionary product. It's just cool. I, I agree <laughs> with you. I love the fact that the maker community is a true community in the in terms of we don't look at our competition as competition. A great example of this is at Maker Camp, my forge is in the Broadbeck Ironworks tent. And in the grand scheme of things, Ryan and Vince would be considered my competition, right? Yeah. Because they make two by 72 bell grinders as well. And I need help with something. And I turned to Ryan and I know each other pretty well at this point because we're at every trade show together. And I said, hey, I need something. And he's right there to help. And it, it's not the same as it used to be. The old school concepts. And, and we still have a few old school, old timer guys <laughs> running around that still employ or deploy the same strategy where they don't want to share anything. But they're getting run out of town because... Our generation does not see it that way. They don't see, they don't see how we can be better together. Like the rising tide lifts all ships, yeah. right? They came from a different time and space. And I get that. That's your world. But I'll tell you the generation, the boomer generation is definitely going to be handing the keys to Gen X very soon. I'm a Gen Xer and, or we probably have a majority of the keys on our keychain right now. Mm -hmm. And the way we do business is so different because it has to be different. We live in a completely different world now with the internet and the value of information and how that's been devalued. You can yeah. go on and learn about all kinds of stuff, whether or not that's accurate information or not. But you have got to play that game. Yeah. But one thing that I'll tell everybody about business is that has not changed is that business is all about relationships, mm -hmm. no matter what time in the history of course of time that you live in, people do business with whom they know and whom they like. Mm. That's as simple as that. <laughs> Absolutely. So I come on this podcast. I'm on Weld.com podcast. How did I get here? I was standing in a group chat with a guy named Lucas Fabricated, the guy from Tim from Lucas Fabrications. And I'm standing with you and a couple other dudes and we're talking. And then all of a sudden, hey, this is the guy from Weld.com. Come meet him. Oh, yeah. Hey, how you doing, Bo? Oh, man, that's great. Nice to meet you. I love your stuff on YouTube. I watch your stuff. I would have never known. I would never be on this podcast. And hopefully somebody hears the words that I'm saying right now and identifies with what I'm doing and yeah. says, I want to be a part of what he's up to or I care about his business or I want to spend some money with him or I want to support him on Instagram or comment on one of his videos, whatever it is. That's all business. That matters. It all matters. The old days of going around and pitching your thing or selling something to somebody on the street, those things are gone. That's done. That's over with. We have got to play this game a little differently and look at it and be smart and be agile. And I think it's important. So getting back to what we were saying about the Forge project is that I had never built a Forge like this before, nor had I ever sold a Forge before, but it was just like the two by 72 project. I was like, I just, there's, it's common that somebody would have a grinder and would have a Forge. So I'm like thinking this could be a viable product. So let's look at what it looks like to actually produce these and sell these. And here's what's really great about this. So I did the run, the first run of Apollos. I bought 50 of them from my laser cutter and my, the, the guys that do all my machining work. I had 50 made and I'm standing there in my shop and I'm talking to Brent, who's my right hand. 
And I'm like, I don't know if these are going to sell. I just, <laughs> I'm so concerned. We've, we spent all this time, energy and money. And he's like, you know, I see what you're saying. I think it's going to be fine. He's always the one going, it's going to be fine. We sold first 50 in seven hours. That is sold crazy. On. And the first seven hours. So I got on the phone. I called my folks. I said, okay, let's do another run of 50. We did another run of 50 and I posted the next run of 50 the next day. And that sold out in four hours. That's how you know you've stumbled onto something very good. It's like, this is a good idea. Yes. And it was because so many people had watched me on social media toil over the details of this development of this project. And also I had coupled it with the Working Hands podcast and the Make What You Fear challenge. We had gone down a completely different road than any other product development team would take and just shared the entire thing. And I get these messages from some people who are in the engineering world or maybe they make machines or whatever. They can't believe that we sell our plans. You can go on the website if you want to build your own Apollo, but you don't want to buy the kit from us. You can buy my digital files, all my DXF files. You can buy my CAD files. You can see how I developed it and how I laid it all out and my component strategy that I developed in Fusion. You can buy all of that for under 50 bucks. You can have it all. And they go, I can't believe you do that. You give away so much by doing that. I go, no, you're wrong. Because when they download those plans, I'm hoping that they'll convert to actually buying the product from me. I want them to buy the parts from me. And it's to their advantage to buy it from me because Mm -hmm. we buy them 200 at a time now. We're getting a bulk discount. So you can't cut them out as a one-off any cheaper than we can, unless you have a plasma table. If you have a plasma table, then yeah, you're good to go. Go to town. (laughs) Yeah, save, save some money. Go make your own stuff. But we laser cut them now, so it's a lot better quality and all that. But at the same time, I want to empower my customers because you know what? It's easier to keep a customer than to get a new one, right? Absolutely. I broke the ice. You come to my website, you download my two by 72 bell grinder plans for 25 bucks and I've broken the ice with you. What happens when you build that machine and you need wheels, but you don't have a lathe? We make our own wheels. We do that here and we do it with all American aluminum and we do it right here in Florida. And so they're going to come here and they're going to buy wheels from me. They're going to do something with me. I've broken the ice with that customer. And so that's the mentality that I take moving forward. And I will always have that mentality. We're developing a whole new drill press work holding system right now called the Holdfast. And it's a simple product, but it's the same concept as all these other things is that we're solving a problem for people that make things. That's it. That's all we're doing. And we're giving them, basically giving them the keys to the kingdom, taking it and saying, you can build this yourself if you want. And if you don't have the time or the money, the resources to do it yourself, buy it from us and we'll sell it to you. That's, I mean, that's that mentality again, like the mentality we keep going back to the old timers versus the new timers of like, I don't want to, I don't want to share my secrets. This is my patent. It's like, that's great though. Like that. It's, hey, you can do this yourself, but if you need some help, let me know. I can help you out. And, but I just want you to get into this. And that's what the whole kind of vibe of the maker community to me has been is I just want to help you get into this. It's just really cool because that was a feeling I got, a feeling I got up at Maker's Camp that I don't get in most events. It's like I go to a lot of welding events and conventions and trade shows and you get, you meet people and you network and networking is fun because you just, you get to learn a little micro bit of someone's life. But at Maker's Camp, it was just like 
more involved. It was just like, no, we've been friends for a long time. We just didn't know it yet. And 100%. Yeah. But when it comes to business, I love the mentality you keep talking about of because that's how I view business, too, is I want to be your friend. I just want to get to know you. I want to see what your problems are. And if there's a way I can help you. And if not, I want to help you find someone that can, you know, but no matter what, you and I are a connection. I love making connections. I love building a network of people. And I feel like a lot of people in business don't they don't have that mindset. They're just like, I need to just figure out how to get further instead of just there's probably someone out there that can help you get as far as you want to go. You just haven't met them yet. And you just got to go and keep shaking hands. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. When it comes to welding, most people think the danger lies in the fire and electricity. But what you learn fast when you strike up and get a whiff of fumes is how terrible those can make you feel, especially after a long day of work. Welding creates fumes that can be hazardous and you need them out of the way. Luckily, Donaldson has come up with some cool stuff to help welders. They make fume extraction equipment for major fabricators, smaller shops, and everything in between. They've been around for more than 100 years, so they know what they're doing. Weld fumes are no joke, so learn how to protect yourself. Head over to Donaldson.com to check out their stuff. You'll be glad you did. We call those guys smashing grabbers because there's a whole bunch of them out there that get into a certain, when I got a little bit of notoriety for what I was doing, a whole bunch of Brian houses popped up that wanted to do what I was doing. And some of these guys were just mimicking what uh, my process, which I appreciate and flattered by it. And that's great. But if I got an opportunity to talk with them, I would tell them like, do what I'm doing, but do it different, do it your way. And if you don't really truly have passion for this, you're going to fail because this is so hard. The passion component to your work, especially if you work for yourself, is so key. Yeah, Because when, you're, when your sales are tanking and your bank account is dry, the only thing that keeps you going is your passion for the work, right? And so when I would watch these guys pop up and they would develop their own grinder or whatever it might be, and they would film everything the way I filmed it. And some of them were cocky and would send me their links and say, well, look what I'm doing and all this stuff. I was like, oh, I've seen something like that before. Yeah. And I, uh, to their surprise, I would give them advice. I'd say, if you don't really love two by 72 belt grinders or you don't really love metalwork, you're probably not going to go too far with this. And most of those guys all dwindled off anyway, exactly as I predicted. And it's because they weren't doing it because they love it. They were doing it because they wanted the smash and grab money. They saw that I was being successful, that I had bought a couple of buildings and I had grown my social following and I had connections to all these people in this world and that I had made this climb up in five years. And they were like, wow, look at this guy. I'm going to do this. It's not that tough. I could develop this. Yeah, there's a um, hundred two by 72 belt grinders out there. I totally get that. It, it is not a unique product at all. But what we did was we empowered our customer by showing them how to weld and fabricate. We made it easy. We gave them plan sets and we gave them video walkthroughs on how to do all of this stuff. Every single day I get messages from guys who had never held a welder, welding torch in their hand ever, not one time. And they bought my kit and through necessity, because see, this is how the male human mind works. We think I need this tool to do this process right? Yeah. I want to like, let's just say I want to make knives for a living, or I'm really into metalwork and I need a, a deburring tool or whatever. 
And then what do you do? You go shopping, right? You're oh, like, yeah. Okay, You're like, all up. right, let me just search on yeah. the internet for a while. Yeah, yeah, let's type in this. And you realize, wow, that's expensive. If I want to buy one of those, those are really expensive. And you go, is this worth it? And then you stumble across my project, right? It's a third of the cost of all these production level machines. And they go, I think I could build that, but I don't know how to weld. I wish I knew how to weld. And then they watch my video and I say to them, this is the welder I use. This is the process I use, but let me show you how this works. They go out, they buy the welder, they buy the kit and they do it with their son or their father or whatever. And at the end of the project, they have a tool that they could use. And what I did was I tricked them into thinking that they were doing this to make knives or do metal work or whatever. But the reality is they empowered themselves to build a machine. And when they did it, they came out going, I can do anything now. I can build literally anything. I learned so much through this process. It empowered them. And it was the journey that I was selling them, not the machine not the knife making afterwards. Yeah, all that stuff comes later and you can do all that with this machine. But you went through this process and learned how to do it. And now, by the way, our kits are all CNC machined and they're beautiful. The parts come out nice. And so and it's plate, laser plate cut. And so there's just really just some welding that needs to be done. So most guys have it done in like an afternoon, like a Saturday afternoon, four or five hours. And they have this machine built. And the message, and by the way, this is all over the world. We have Europe, we have a European machine shop that, that sells and distributes the, the kits to Europe. So now I'm getting messages from guys all over the world who are building my machine awesome. and they're going, I learned how to do this. I feel so empowered now. And that's what to me is the passion portion of this. Yeah. Yes, I got a chance to make some money. I made a margin on the kit. I got a little bit of money in my pocket for this, but the messages oh, every day. Bo, it's every day. It's every day that I empowered somebody to work with their hands and they had success at the end of it. That's how I know I'm doing the right work. And when these guys come out on the scene and they're like, don't buy his kit, buy my kit and do this. It's, they're doing it because they like the money. And that's yeah. one thing. And I appreciate that. But commerce is not just the only thing that we need to be focusing on. We need to be looking at this as from a holistic standpoint. Whereas we say, it, are we going to be a, a crew of men living in desperation, sitting <laughs> at desks and pushing pencils in cubicles and literally producing data or numbers or things that are not tangible, right? We have given up the right to say that we make things in this country. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate. I wish we made more things. The only way I know how to do that is to empower people to learn how to make things. I want to, I want my kids to live in a world like back in the thirties and forties where we made stuff here again. And I can't, the only way I know how to do that is grassroots. Start it like this and teach people how to weld, teach people how they, that it's not that difficult. You don't need to have thousands and thousands of dollars in equipment to do this work. You can do it and you can learn it. And then you're off and running. Yeah. Now you're empowered to do more. And that's my legacy that I want to leave behind with Housemade is that I want I want a million of these machines to be living out in the wild. And I want even, I want 10 million people to know how to use them and to empower them on how it works and to make things and to make things in their garages, whether it's a side hustle or a main hustle. I change lives. And that's the portion, that's the biggest portion of my work is changing people's lives. And that's, it's a beautiful message. And that's something that is worth working towards and being passionate about. And I love what you're talking about, the passion. So if you're not passionate about it, 
it goes towards welding too because a lot of people get into the welding industry because they hear it's yeah learn how to weld and in six months you'll be making six figures but that's what's motivating a lot of people to get into it is the money side welding's rough man like welding is a rough trade just because it's hot it's a lot of like heavy heavy lifting long hours and a lot of frustration when you're learning and the passion has to be there but i see what you were just talking about the smash and grab i see that in the welding world where people they just want to they think oh i'm just gonna go and take one class and go off and make a million dollars welding no it's not about that it's about the craft and you can really tell the people who are so passionate about welding because they're the ones showing you hey watch me weld hey let me teach you hey if you have questions let me know they're the ones that are passionate about it. And even teachers, it's like the welding instructors out there, there's a lot of guff given to welding instructors because it's a, you go from industry to teaching.